Welcome back to the Field Goals Podcast, everyone. Happy Cutdown Day this August 30th, 2022. And I'm being facetious, of course. Uh, Cutdown Day, not a happy day for players around the NFL. Uh, lots of careers end on this day. It used to be a day that players dreaded a visit or a call to the office to see the Turk. You were told to bring your playbook. Now you bring your iPad with you. And I don't even know if you need to bring your iPad with you anymore. They can just wipe it clean remotely, right? Um, Seahawk cut down days are often full of a lot of moving parts, a lot of drama, a lot of question marks, a lot of uncertainty. Dana and Brandon and I talked about that yesterday on the show. Maybe the theme of today's cut down day as the Seahawks get to 53 players, as every team had to by one o'clock Pacific time today, was there just wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of drama. Not a lot of big headlines, not a lot of big storylines, but we'll cover the key ones here tonight and recap things as we head into the week. Right off the top, really the two biggest surprises early in the day it leaked out before the cutdown deadline that Marquise Blair, 2019 second round draft pick, safety sometimes slot corner, got moved around quite a bit, was released, didn't make the team. Um, Not a shock, really, given how he played this preseason. Had a lot of trouble. In particular, just wrapping guys up and being a tackler, which at his position is something that, that obviously is a key component of his of his role. We know the injury issues, and, and this is really the tragic part of watching watching a young player have to move on, is, is Marquise Blair, when he was drafted out of Utah, just dripping with talent, dripping with athletic ability, intensity. We all love the way he flew around the field, threw his body around and hit. But season-ending ACL injuries, back-to-back seasons, having to come back from those, not being able to establish a role. And then when he did come back, being moved into more of a slot corner position after the acquisitions of Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams. And this camp, maybe we should have seen it a little bit more as some foreshadowing when he was moved back to the safety position because we know how the team feels about Ryan. Neal there is a guy who can play both spots for some depth. And then we saw the camp that Josh Jones had and maybe the writing was on the wall. But but because of his draft position, we just really didn't see Marquise Blair getting cut, but indeed he has been. And then Freddie Swain was the other one. We talked a lot about the receivers on the show yesterday, and we'll talk a little bit more about them today because I I thought yesterday, one of my points was that I thought it was the most intriguing position group to watch. A lot of interesting, young, varied talent there and just wanted to see which way the the team was going to go. And Swain didn't make the cut. And when you, when you look at the six guys who were kept, maybe it's not that big a surprise because just athletically, he didn't match up as much. He just what just didn't have any of those loud tools to use a baseball term. But he was clearly the team's number three wide receiving option last year and primary punt returner. Someone else is going to have to be returning punts this year. That looks to be um, D. Eskridge, the team's second round pick from a year ago, who looks to be healthy and should handle putt return duties as he did in the third preseason game against the Cowboys. So Marquise Blair, Freddie Swain, really the two biggest surprises. But there's one more, perhaps, 
veteran cornerback Justin Coleman, the 28-year, eight-year veteran, his second tour with the Seahawks, signed this offseason. Looked from day one like he was brought in to lock down that slot corner position. Played well when he had a chance in the preseason. We did see near the end of camp, rookie Kobe Bryant being moved from the outside into the slot, playing well, playing a lot. And so it was a little bit of a shock when Coleman was released today. However, in his press conference today, after the roster moves were announced, Pete Carroll was pressed on whether we'll see Justin Coleman back again. He tried to be tight-lipped, but he did let it slip. Perhaps. Take a listen. But there's the moving parts. Moving parts. Justin uh, is a really good football player, and, and uh, hopefully this isn't, you know, you know we're, we're, we're done with him. Veterans can be brought back as a vested veteran. Coleman does not have to be subjected to the waiver process, which will happen tomorrow. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. He can be brought back right away. It's just that by cutting him, they get out from the contract they had signed him to. They can bring him back at a lesser number. They could even bring him back. If vested veterans are on the roster for game one, then their salary becomes guaranteed for the year. So we could see him come back after game one or even before then at some point. Um, so it, it sure sounds like Coleman will be back. Well, then that would be a 54th player, right? Well, one of the other mild surprises, and we touched on this in yesterday's episode, was 2019 first-rounder LJ Collier and his status on the team. He did make the roster today. He was not released. However, he hasn't played much this preseason, but he's been battling uh, an elbow injury. Hasn't been out there. Sure doesn't look like he'd be able to get ready and play against the Broncos. It's very possible the team is waiting until after that first game to place him on IR so that he only has to miss four games and won't have to miss the entire season. That could be the move. You know, they could have a gentleman's agreement with, with Justin Coleman. You know, he certainly is free if he gets a better offer to go somewhere else. But the Seahawks have a track record and a history of doing this with veterans because they see a clear-cut role and a path to playing time, and they like the culture here, they'll, they'll agree to hang out and come back. The move could be Collier to the IR and Justin Coleman back to the roster after the first game. Uh, we shall see. I want to talk some more about the receivers, though, because I think this is a fun group. They took two seventh-round receivers this year, Bo Melton and Derek Young. Derek Young out of, of out of Lenore Rhine, Division II school. Now, Bo Melton was released today. But there's a good chance he'll return on the practice squad. Um, Tyreek Smith, the fifth-round defensive end, outside linebacker out of Ohio State, never got healthy this preseason. He was placed on season-ending IR. So, this is of note. Seahawks had nine draft picks this year. If Melton were to make it back to the practice squad, all nine draft picks would be on the roster. Um, but Derek Young, I felt, we talked about this on the show as well, I felt he was the more unique talent. And he offered something to the Seahawks roster that's lacking outside of DK Metcalf. You have Tyler Lockett, D. Eskridge, Penny Hart, all, shall we say, diminutive Receivers, all smaller guys, shifty. You know, they went out and traded 
Ugo Amadi to the Philadelphia Eagles to take a shot at J.J. Arcega-Whiteside because they were looking for that big target. Whiteside just didn't have a chance to make an impression. He was released today as well. But Derek Young, 6'2", dripping with athleticism. Well, let's let Pete Carroll tell you why he made an impression and why he made this roster. You know, he, he never looked like anything but, but a guy that belonged, you know, regardless of where he came from. You know, and, and uh, a few of us know where Lenore Ryan is and... and, and uh, and uh, he just never looked like that. He looked like he belonged right from the day one. He's physically really fit. He's a big, strong kid, fast. He ran routes better than we thought he would. He was clean in and out of his breaks. Um, he's been strong at the catch. He's had, you know, some, sometimes he needs to work on his catching football a little bit better, but it's not because of he can't catch it. It's just because situations and getting banged around or whatever. Um, but he's more than that. He's, he's also a special teams guy, and he's a really good blocker, and he really, it really matters to him to be a physical player. And it showed up, and we just really liked him early on. And it was just, is he going to be able to hold it throughout, you know, throughout camp? And he did. Now, one other cool surprise, I think, out of this training camp, and um, a guy who made the team today, Mike Jackson, cornerback out of Miami, a big kid, guy that I liked coming out of the draft that year, that year as, the, as the Seahawks. We're looking for corners in that draft. Uh, drafted in the fifth round that year by Dallas, kind of bounced around, hit uh, the New England Patriots for a minute. Seahawks got him last year off waivers. Had an outstanding camp. Just really looked, again, just like he said about Derek Young, looked like he belonged. Can play on the outside. There's some thought he could contribute in the slot as well. Big, tough physical player. Fits the scheme. Really cool to see Mike Jackson make the team. And there are some questions at cornerback. Look, we still don't know who the opening day starters are going to be. And we're going to talk about that quite a bit over the next week and a half. Carroll had some cool things to say about Tariq Woolen today, maybe even hinting that he might be a starter on opening day, the rookie out of UTSA. Um, uh, some other surprises or uh, interesting things of note about the roster as we look at it. Two undrafted free agents made the team this year, continuing a trend for the Seahawks of having a lot of success in undrafted free agency. Um, at safety, Joey Blunt, uh, big time strong safety out of Miami uh, or out of Virginia, excuse me. And then the small school kid, Division Three outside linebacker Josh Unajiogu. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, made the team as well. But let's talk about linebacker for a second because there was a lot of carnage there at that position group today on cutdown day. Vi Jones, Tanner Muse, Lakeem Williams, Joel DeBlanco who had a good preseason. All cut. Uh, John Radigan, we know, was placed on the pup. Aaron Donker was cut. He can come back again on the practice squad as part of that international exchange program and not count as one of those spots. And with Tyreek Smith being placed on IR, Alton Robinson uh, banged up his knee a couple weeks ago. Don't know where he fits right now as far as his availability for the first game. But we're talking about interior linebackers now. Jordan Brooks, Cody Barton, the starters. Nick Ballore. Fullback turned inside linebacker. Your only depth there. So I thought DeBlanco might have a shot to make this team. And so if the Seahawks are out there looking for help, that is likely one spot they're going to be looking on the waiver wire tomorrow. Another one we talked about this in the show yesterday might be backup center. If they're not sure, if they're just not sure that Kyle Fuller can be that guy, if anything were to happen to Austin Blythe. Um, I thought this was interesting 
let's see, where did I see this? Pro Football uh, Pro Football Network um, did a list today of uh, of the ten most intriguing waiver wire acquisition possibilities tomorrow. Marquise Blair was on that list. He was one of them. Uh, but they talked about John Leglue, 26-year-old center, started five games for Pittsburgh last year, can also play guard. Really raved about his scheme versatility and his ability and a, and a guy who's really an ascending player. Look for the Seahawks to be combing the waiver wire, looking for help at inside linebacker and or center. The Seahawks are 10th in waiver wire order. The waiver process for unvested veterans does begin tomorrow. Teams can begin signing players to their practice squad tomorrow as well. A couple of candidates. We've touched on this a little bit already. Bo Melton, I would expect to get to the practice squad. Safety Scott Nelson out of Nebraska had a nice, or out of Wisconsin, excuse me, had a nice camp. Uh, and then some of those linebackers we talked about already. Muse showed great athletic ability and straight ahead speed, special teams ability as well. Uh, still kind of making the transition from safety to linebacker. So they might see some upside there and bringing him back to the practice squad. Vi Jones really flashed in the preseason. Uh, we talked about DeBlanco uh, at other positions. Receiver Kate Johnson uh, could be a possibility for the practice squad. And it'd be interesting to see if they, you know, in the week and a half that they got to get their hands on our Sega white side after acquiring him in the trade, didn't see anything from him in the games, but maybe they saw enough to bring him back on the practice squad and see if he can carve out a role as well. Uh, so all of that starts tomorrow. So we could see a lot of change. Well, not a lot. I, I think there could be two, three moves between now and the opener. Um, but again, yeah, it's just really kind of a, it was a lesser day than I expected, a more mellow day than I expected. The other interesting thing was sometimes the Seahawks are notorious for being the last team or among the last teams to announce their cuts. Some of that is because they're going up until the last minute, kind of moving some things around. They came out with their official press release within 10, 15 minutes of the deadline. Unusual for them. And I think it speaks to how comfortable they are with this roster. I think the fact that even though they're not, they're not ever going to come out and call it a rebuilding year, they're not going to call it a developmental year, but certainly after the trade of Russell Wilson, it's a, it's a transitional year. It's a different approach this year. You know, they're never going to come out and say they don't think they can win, but this is not a team that's a contender. And I think sometimes that spurred action right on and around and just after cutdown day. You know, last five, six years as a team, it was always looking for lightning in a bottle, kind of trying to, to patch together some position groups and try to add that one or two players that can make an impact as they tried to make one more run around Russell Wilson while he was in his prime. And I think that spurred on just, you know, maybe some uh, over-analysis, um, overthinking when it comes to the roster. I think they feel really good about some of these young players, as they should. We talked about it on the show yesterday. We'll continue to talk about it. The depth at every position and, and the upside and the young upside, every single position group on this team has gotten younger over the last couple of years and has multiple players that look to have an exciting ceiling and some upside. Look at the offensive tackles. All four of them, right? The two draft picks this year, Charles Cross, Abe Lucas, the undrafted free agent last year, Jake Curran, 
and Stone Forsyth, six-round draft pick last year, all first or second-year players. You compare that to what the tackles have looked like over the last five, six years, older veteran players, retreads, for lack of a better term, guys other teams gave up on, projects. And a lot of those projects, a lot of those experiments failed. You can see the direction, the philosophy of how to put this roster together changing. And I think that's what lent itself to the lack of movement today. But of course, we will be here to talk about any moves in the meantime. Of course, we get the dead week now. A week from Monday, the Broncos come to town, Russell Wilson on the 12th and play the Seahawks in their opener at home at Lumen Field. So we'll be back next week, Dana and I. I'm working on getting some special guests together and we'll do some formal previews of the Denver Broncos game. But if any breaking news were to happen between now and then, any big trades, any interesting signings, I will be here for you. Breaking it down, giving you my reaction, giving you the up-to-date latest and greatest news about the Seahawks as we enter into this rebuilding season. They might not call it that, but we're going to call it that many, many times over the year. Once again, I am Dan Vienge. You can follow me on Twitter at Seahawks Forever. You can follow Dana at D-A-Y-N-A-O-G on Twitter as well. Dana will be joining me again before the Broncos game. Once again, I just want to say what an honor it is to be part of the Field Goals team. Thank you for listening. We'll talk again soon. We'll see you before the Seahawks take on the Broncos on the 12th. Until then, go Seahawks. Go Seahawks.